Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You have just tuned in to the Midweek Pick-Me-Up Energy Show, featuring professional officiant, tuning fork facilitator, and author, Marcy Ann Chi. In 1988, Marcy Ann discovered the quantum fields of energy and vibration, and since then her life has been a day-to-day experiment in knowing how to live in light energy for happiness, health, and wealth. She shares the principles and laws of light energy as they operate in everyday life, and now, here is Marcy Ann. And hello, everybody. I want to thank you all for tuning in, uh, whether it's the middle of the week or the weekend or morning, noon, or night. <clears throat> in this wonderful world of online radio, we can just listen anytime we want to. <laughs> Actually, I can broadcast anytime I want to, just sitting right here in my studio in Southern California, and reach out to all of you. And I'm going to talk about love today. (laughs) Hasn't it always been true that what the world needs now is love, sweet love? Sweet love, doesn't that just sound great? What is love anyway? Do we really know what love really is? Um, But my ideas of love... uh, just keep getting bigger and bigger and what I'm beginning to see is that we just don't know how big love is. I mean, love is big. Actually, you know what the truth is? Loving and being loved is all there really is. Now, I know that is kind of a curious statement with all that seems to be happening as at least as far as the news media is concerned. It sure doesn't look like loving and being loved out there, does it? More like killing and being killed. (laughs) But you know what? Even the Bible definition of love is more about what love isn't than what love is. When I marry people, I use this definition a lot. It says, the Bible says that love is patient and kind. Now, the rest of it is what it isn't. It does not envy, it does not boast, love is not proud, love is not rude, love does not want its own way, love is not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs. I really like that part because, you know, we think that there's somebody writing down every single horrible bad thing we've ever done, and then someday we'll have to stand up before some horrible judge, and they're going to you know, strike us down dead because of all those wrongs that have been written down but you know what there is no record of wrongs the bible says so okay if there are records but there's no record of wrongs there's a big difference 
in that. Okay, that's another show, but let me go on. Love is not happy when something bad happens to the one they love. You know, that's how you can tell if you love somebody. Something awful happened about them. Are you happy about that they had something horrible happen to them? Or are you sad? If you're sad, you love them. Love rejoices in the truth and can stand to know the truth. And now love protects. These are the actions of love. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And then the final statement, love never fails. I've misinterpreted that part of love a lot. And I've allowed situations in my life where I felt like if I kept loving, that love would never fail and it would accomplish what I wanted. But I didn't understand that love, uh, I can be responsible for me and me loving and being, but I can't be responsible for the other person about me being loved. That also is another show. (laughs) So let me know. Go on here. I think we can all agree at this point that we uh, all know what love isn't, all of us. I had lunch today, yesterday with a friend of mine. We were looking back over the times when we were growing up because we both lived in times when the home was a bastion of either loving and being loved or killing and being killed. <laughs> and she and I both went to school, you know, with big red scabby welts of switch marks on our arms and legs, and no one ever said or did a thing. Well, she told me about her first job that was as a nursing assistant in a mental health home. Oh, we don't have these homes anymore. You know, our mentally ill are out on the street, (laughs) living on the street. However, back then, the states had homes for the mentally ill, and these homes were paid for out of the taxes because her paycheck came from the state of New York where she lived at the time. Well, this home was divided into two sections, men and women, and the patients were not ambulatory, and they were in playpen-type cribs. And, of course, they wore diapers. And so part of her job was diaper changes three times a day. And also she bathed them and brought them their food, and most of them had to be fed. And then she made a remarkable statement. I just love this job, she said. I, I was astonished. Well, what did you love about it? And I watched as she went way, way back into her past, and I could see her searching for what it was that she felt uh, while she was doing this job so she could tell me why she loved doing it. And then she looked at me and said, You know, I think it was because I never felt like I was ever loved or cared for. And it made me feel so good to care for these poor people and make their life a little better. I mean, show them that someone cared about them. And I said, well, you never felt like you were loved or cared for in your home? And she said, no, not at all. My mom was never home. She was always out partying, leaving us kids to fend for herself. 
She said, I was down on my own at 12 years old. But up to that time, I lived in a constant turmoil of drugs and alcohol, yelling and screaming, switchings and beatings with the buckle end of a belt, either by my mom or one or more of her different stay-the-night or stay-the-week-live-in boyfriends, not to mention those visits from Grandma and Grandpa. I mean, I finally told my Grandma what Grandpa was doing to me, and she did put a stop to it. But she continued. You know, she said, I looked around. Even as a young child, I quickly realized that there was no help for me at this place, and I had to get out as soon as I could. And you know what? That job allowed me to be able to get out of my place and to be able to take care of myself. You know what? That's probably the real reason why I loved it. She's a minister today and marries couples at the beach like I used to do, and I taught her how to do it. And she says this Bible definition of love probably every week in the ceremonies that she does, just like I used to. And I said to her, you know, well, even the Bible definition of love is what love isn't. (laughs) She laughed, and she agreed. We all know what love isn't. And then she said, I think a little child knows what love is. And I said, yes, the Bible says that when we become as a little child, we can enter into the kingdom of heaven. And some of us have learned what love is by looking within ourselves and doing for ourselves what our inner child tells us is love. So if you've listened to my show for any length of time, and I have been on the air since October of 2012, you know that I don't believe in heaven and hell in the traditional sense. I mean, first of all, I don't believe you have to die to go there. I believe that heaven and hell are realms of life that we live in now. So we're either living in heaven or hell right now. So heaven would be where there is loving and being loved, and hell would be where there's killing and being killed. (laughs) So you be the judge, because you are the judge and the jury and the hangman of your life. So just take a moment right now and look at all the circumstances of your life. Do you live in loving and being loved, or do you live in a place where you feel like there isn't any loving, or caring at all. Tom Hanks has a new movie coming out based on the book by Dan Brown that's called Inferno. And Dan Brown's book is about Dante's book called Dante's Inferno. And actually, when uh, until Dante wrote his book, which was back in the 1500s, no one really had any idea about what hell was really like because up until then hell was really just a vague place called Shoal where souls went who were waiting for the Messiah but actually Dante's Inferno is about a traveler who goes through all of the realms of hell 
But he doesn't stay there. He ends up completing his journey and coming through it all into a realm which would be called in our terms today heaven. So Dante's in Dante's Inferno, it's called paradise. Now that word Inferno is Italian and it is translated hell. So it is a story of the journey of a soul towards enlightenment. Uh, actually, the soul's journey to try to find out how to end suffering and find loving and being loved. Now, Dante is the name of the traveler. So he goes through nine circles of suffering that are called hell, then purgatory, until he finally gets to paradise. Now, he learns that hell is the place for those who have rejected spiritual values by yielding to bestial appetites and violence, or by perverting their human intellect to perpetrate fraud or malice against their fellow man. Well, soon after the book came out, artists like Gustave Paré and more especially Sandro Botticelli painted pictures of of Dante's ideas. So now there were visuals to go with Dante's written word. And the Catholic Church immediately grabbed upon these visuals because now it finally had a way to to use hell as a very powerful club over the heads of its devotees. And even though Dante makes it out of hell, the Catholic Church created a hell that is eternal and everlasting that you never can get out of. And then when the protesters against the Pope, who were led by Luther, started the Christian Church, they took with them the Catholic idea of hell. However, without the possibility of purgatory. I mean, at least with the Catholic Church, if you went to purgatory, you could eventually get out. But in the Christian faith, it's pretty absolute. It's either heaven or hell. And the Christian Church actually pays no attention to the fact that during the three days of the time when Jesus was taken off the cross and put into the tomb, and before he resurrected it and appeared to his disciples, he went to Sheol. And emptied it all out of all the souls who were waiting there for Messiah. And then Jesus took the keys to death and hell and threw them in the lake of fire where they were incinerated and returned back to the original elements of the earth. So for me, that's the end of that. I mean, there isn't any need now for a place for souls to wait for Messiah Messiah has come, and now there is no more waiting. And we now live in the time when you decide to live in heaven or hell now. So back to my question, are you in hell or are you in heaven? I mean, like right now. And actually, if you do believe that there is an actual place, you know, like a special planet somewhere in the solar system that's cloaked in, invis- in invisibleness called heaven and there's another place deep within the bowels of the earth where there's fire and brimstone where souls go to live forever in torment it is still relevant for you to consider whether you want to live in heaven or hell 
because since Earth is a place where there's free will and we all have the choice, then it's our choice whether we are going to be in heaven or whether we're going to be in hell. So the purpose of this show today, (laughs) I know a lot of times I I, I go all the way around the world and back, (laughs) but just, you know, hang in there. Our show today is to look at what is love, because love is what is going to get us all to get to go to heaven and live our life in heaven. Okay, so if Dante's description of hell is the place for people who yield to their bestial appetites and create violence or who pervert their human intellect to defraud or malign their fellow men, then according to the news media, everybody must be going to hell. (laughs) Because that's all we hear about. Let me tell you, there is no love in hell. Hell is where there is no loving or caring at all. Just what my friend at lunch described about the home where she grew up. And I had a psychic tell me one time that I had to raise myself because I didn't have a father and my mother was too busy lying in bed eating Fannie Mae chocolates and reading her books or taking off and going to the movies to be bothered with raising us kids. And in fact, by the time I was seven, I was pretty much in charge of everything, cooking and cleaning and doing laundry and all the new kids that came in. There was no loving or caring at all. So both my friend and I looked about our situation, and we knew there was no love for us there. No one cared about us at all. I mean, my friend knew that to survive, She would need to get out of there and be in a place where she could care about herself and love herself. And she took that job at the mental health hospital and changed diapers three times a day to be able to have enough money so she could get a place of her own where she could love herself. And she survived. And today, she's a great-grandmother, and her two great-grandchildren are the most loving little children you have ever met. They are these rainbow kids that are so pure and so innocent and so full of love and caring. She spends all her free time with them because she says they know what love is. Well, if little children know what love is and... We can learn to be like a little child so that we can live in the kingdom of heaven right now. What does it mean to be like a little child? Well, to start with, you know, kids live in the moment. (laughs) So in the next moment, they're not going to bring up what happened in the last moment because that's gone. And there's a new moment to experience. It's full of wonder and excitement and things that they've never experienced before. Life is just too interesting to little children for them to settle down into one experience and just relive that experience over and over or want to have that experience again and again or even expect that the experience would repeat itself. There's just too many 
wonderful new experiences to experience, like what's next, usually on a child's mind. So they're not going to be calling you on something you did yesterday or last month or last year because they don't even remember it. (laughs) They're so engrossed in what's happening right now. They're not interested in going back to any of that old stuff. That's old stuff, they would say. And children experience all their experiences in a pure and an innocent way. You know, without prior programs running to tell them, oh, watch out, or that's bad, or they come to each new experience in wonder and awe, and they're open to go with the flow and get the most out of it that they can without holding back or being afraid. And their heart is still open. And all of their senses are still operating. They haven't shut anything down yet. And they trust. And they believe what you tell them. And they love you without conditions. So a little child would be like a child who is probably under three years old. Because by three to four, they're, they're beginning to have enough Uh, repeat experiences that they do begin to develop a philosophy of life and of course they have had their adults around them I mean hopefully a mother and a father who love them teaching them things that they trust are true and they're absorbing everything as fast as they can and so around three or four their love does become a little bit conditional but up to three that love is still pretty much unconditional And that's the time when they are heavenly. That's the little child that the Bible is talking about, who still lives in heaven, still lives in heavenly thoughts, heavenly actions, heavenly desires, and heavenly love of acceptance and allowing and amnesty and pardons and forgiveness. Well, let's let look a little bit more at love uh, from the standpoint of America. Let's see how this heavenly love was translated uh, by our founding fathers who were Christians into our Constitution because the philosophy of our country is based on fundamental Christian Philosophy. I mean, whether you go to church or not, it uh, it's there. It's just there underlying in the intrinsic um, words and ways that the Constitution was created. And pretty much it all is built around the fact that Jesus died for our sins. I mean, you can pretty much ask anybody on the street... And that's what you'll get. And as I was preparing this show, I had a, I became very keenly aware that what I have always considered very neutral sources of information, you know, like the Webster's Dictionary and Roger's Thesaurus, even Wikipedia, I mean, all of it is enmeshed in the Christian philosophy. I mean, the first function of love, Roger's thesaurus says, is a divine function. (laughs) 
Doesn't that make it sound like only God would be able to love? And I think this is kind of a subliminal idea that's in all of us. I mean, what do you think? Is this really the way love has been taught? Because another one of the principal words for love is atonement. So under the Christian philosophy, we are dirty, rotten sinners, not of our own doing, but sin was imputed to us by the actions of one man, Adam, who corrupted the entire human race, and that corrupted human race needs atonement for its sin. So God so loved the world, he gave his only son to pay the price of the sin so we can be redeemed back to God's love. So love has been presented to us by the fact that only God has love. And for God to love us, he had to kill his only son. So now we would be worthy to be loved by God. And then the story is that now that we are loved by God, we are to love others. Well, the whole commandment there is to love others as we love ourselves. But how can we love ourselves? I mean, we're this terrible person who had to have someone killed so that we could be loved by God. We wonder why our culture is so obsessed with killing. It's just like our culture, that's all it's about, killing and being killed instead of loving and being loved. But, you know, it's hard to love ourselves when we've been beat down from the very beginning about being a sinner and not worthy of being loved. Very hard. I mean, it's taken me years and years to convince myself that I am truly worthy to be loved. And during those years of struggle, I allowed all kinds of situations to operate in my life because, well, that's what happens to someone who isn't worthy to be loved. But you know, from the very beginning of my incarnation here on earth, there was just something down deep inside of me that just didn't feel right about God having to kill his son for me. That didn't sound like love to me. I mean, I came from the heavenly realms of the angels. My spiritual lineage comes through the archangels. And when we choose to incarnate, it's to have a local experience in human form because there's just so many things that humans do <laughs> that are just so unimaginable to us. So we ask questions and want to look into things to have more understanding, and sometimes we incarnate. So when I first began to hear the story that God killed Jesus so that we could have love, God's love, I mean, this was just absurd to me. But then I heard the story of Santa Claus, and I wondered, well, you know what, maybe this is just the way they teach things here on earth, like, you know, with fairy stories and myths and fables and using symbols and actually lies to try to teach the truth. However, with examination upon examination, I just couldn't come up with any really good reason to teach truth this way. I mean, let's take Santa Claus. Why do parents want to let their children feel love through a mythical character that isn't real, and eventually they have to tell them he isn't real, 
and the children find out they've been lied to all along. You know, I would then wonder about what other things I had been lied to about. How else have I been manipulated and controlled with lies and deceit and fraud? Isn't this the definition of those who go to hell? People who perpetrate fraud or malice towards their fellow men? And this is parents to their children? Unbelievable. In fact, most of my life has been just one great big overwhelm after another. Unbelievable. Unimaginable. You probably would argue, oh, come on now, parent isn't perpetrating malice towards their children by teaching them about Santa Claus. But I would say a lie is a lie is a lie. Why not just love your child and live a life that's an example of love and caring? And that's what the child will learn. And of course, you know... (laughs) This was all happening at Christmas time when we're all supposed to be celebrating the birth of Jesus. I mean, it just gets more bizarre and more bizarre to me. I mean, Jesus came to this planet to set an example to all of us by living the type of life that that someone who loves and is loved would live. He was born into a big family with brothers and sisters. His family ran a business, and he worked in the business. And I believe he was aware of his heavenly powers from a very early age because, first of all, all babies, well, most babies, have just come from the realms of loving and being loved. And they still see angels, and they're still operating from the realms of unconditional loving and caring. It's a shock to them to feel hunger. That's why they cry and cry, because it's a totally unfamiliar feeling to them, and they're scared, and they need to be held and loved and fed and cared for, because that's all they know, and that's what they're used to as a soul. But today, so many babies are birthed and taken right away to daycare where they're just a name on a crib, where minimum wage workers who are probably on their phone in between the times they change their diapers three times a day. There are those babies who are born to those souls that have been wandering in the wastelands of Dante's Inferno, just waiting for a chance to get back into a physical form again to continue their acts of wantonness and violence, addiction and abuse. So that's why having one of those babies, you know, a baby that comes from unprotected sex between two people who haven't made plans to have that baby, that needs to stop. 76% of these babies are in the black community. 52% of these babies are in the Mexican community. 21% is in the white community. There's very little illegitimacy in the Asian communities. And Jesus was one of those babies who came from the realms of unconditional love in a planned and purposeful incarnation, which was prophesied to Mary by the angel Gabriel. So she was expectant of having a child of great purpose. And I believe that she watched him with her mother's eyes from the moment of his birth 
on. I think she watched for signs that he was all that the angel Gabriel had prophesied him to be. And she allowed him the space to use his powers in a very natural and unjudgmental way. And I believe the family was used to him doing things all along that helped all of them. So when the family went to the wedding in Cana and the bride's family ran out of wine, well, Mary just took Jesus into the kitchen and told the servants, just do what he says to do. And Jesus told them to fill all the water pots with water, and then he waved his hands over the water pots, and all the water became wine. And the servants began to serve this wine to the guests. And the guests all said, wow, this is the best wine I have ever tasted. You saved the best wine for last. Boy, I'm glad I didn't go home early. (laughs) And it was the servants in the kitchen who knew what really happened. You know, there was a time in my life when I worked as a housekeeper for a rich man, and I stood at the sink in the kitchen in my housemaid's uniform preparing his evening meal. I would just stand there and smile and think, I wouldn't have been a guest at that wedding. I would have been in the kitchen when Jesus turned the water into wine, and I would have gotten to see that. Well, Jesus had a task to finish. And what we celebrate as Christmas was his last incarnation here on earth. And yes, I'll say that again, his last incarnation. Because he had been here many, 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 many times before. I mean, how do you think he could tell his disciples, I've done everything that you've done? Like, when was he ever sick? Or when did he lose a child or kill someone or lie or cheat or betray someone? I mean, all souls who come here are on a quest. Some of us are ascending sons of God. Some are descending sons of God. I mean, Jesus was an ascending son of God at the time of this last incarnation. He came from the cosmic realms to finish his task that he started millions of years ago. And most of us are on a journey of some kind, Some of us have come from other galaxies or maybe even other universes to experience life here. Some are earth seed. The earth seed are the lovers and the caretakers of the earth. They are a lot of times environmentalists and naturalists. Some of us are angels. Some of us are ancients of days. Some are planetary teachers. Some are Melchizedek's. I believe Deepak Chopra is a Melchizedek. There have always been Melchizedek's here. You know what? There are still some reptilians here, and I wish all of you would go where you're supposed to go now because there's been a place made for you where you will be happier, and it's time for you to go there. So in this last incarnation, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished He was declaring to himself that he had fulfilled the last part of his original plan and purpose. He had finished it. And then the Bible says he released himself, gave up the ghost. The word for for ghost here is that Greek word pneuma, meaning breath or spirit, the breath of life, which is God's spirit that permeates everything in form. 
And Jesus ascended into the realms of love and light where he has been continuing to ascend into levels of leadership and, and authority until now I believe that he's running at the very least our galaxy and he is either already there or is on his way to being the ruler of our universe. This is the route taken by ascending sons of God. Since light is continually expanding and new forms of life are being made every day and life is evolving in all of these new places constantly and eventually, you know, an Adam and an Eve are going to be needed on these new worlds and eventually a planetary prince and eventually a galaxy council of love administered by someone like Jesus. I mean, many of you are being groomed for these positions. That's why you are having the various experiences you are having. Well, since I came from the realm of the archangels, my experience is observation and reflection, which is what I do on this radio show. And I have been on the air since October of 2012, and all of my shows are archived and can be listened to at any time. None of, most of them are not topical. They are reflections. <laughs> so they don't get out of date, actually. My original show was called Say What, if you want to go back and listen to some of those. And now uh, I call my show uh, Reflections and Celebrations. And my shows now are designed to create a space for others to ponder things in their heart. Like Mary pondered the words of Gabriel about the baby she was going to have. I mean, the Bible says she pondered the words in her heart. And those words created a realm for her to be able to have her baby and then be alert and alive to her baby's every movement, every advancement, every action. I believe many times she was overwhelmed herself by his wisdoms and his actions. I mean, imagine taking him to church and having your child <laughs> tell all the rabbis that they are wrong. <laughs> I had a teacher a couple of years ago who was has one of these kids. I mean, the public school where she had him enrolled called her and told her to come and get him. <clears throat> we can't have him in our school, they said. He was telling them that they were all stupid, that they were wrong, that what they were teaching was insulting. <laughs> well, she went and got him, and she's bravely homeschooling him with the help of the Internet and her spirit guides and his spirit guides, which, by the way, all of us have from the time we are born. A group of cosmic workers is assigned to each one of us and only to us. Each of us has our own private group of spiritual wisdom guides. And if we would just tune in to them and quit listening to social media, we would find out how to live our life within the perfect conditions of possibility and we could get on with the great plan and purpose that our soul has volunteered for without any more interruptions, mistakes, do-overs, or suffering. Okay, so we can enter into the kingdom of heaven now by being like a little child who is still ruled by love, whose only action is loving and being loved. So let's just look a little bit more into some of these 
what I originally considered neutral areas of information. And um, I found out that they're actually influenced by the original foundational truth of our forefathers, all of whom were Christians, Protestant Christians, which meant uh, they had already all left the Catholic Church and now they were coming here to escape the Church of England. They wanted religious freedom as well as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without outside forces telling them what they had to do or believe. However, they did write the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as inspired as they are still from the fundamental beliefs of Christianity. And within those fundamental beliefs is the notoriously but erroneous idea that we are born a sinner. Nothing in the creation has come forth from the time that God spoke to the deep and said, let there be light, is impure, unnatural, corrupted, or sinful in any way. The force that spoke, let there be light, was the breath of God. How could anything that comes from the mouth of God be sin? If you believe this, then your God is full of sin. And our breath comes from the inner core of our being. We speak forth our words from the very depths of the source of all wisdom and revelation. That is the seat of our soul, which is where the breath of God is. It's where the breath of God is in God. It is where the breath of God is in us. And there can't be any sin in the breath of God. The breath of God cannot inhabit anything that has sin. (laughs) Okay, I guess I'll just have to keep saying it. But in looking at the words that our English-American culture attaches to the breath of God, the pneuma, or Spirit of God, in describing God's love, one of the principal words is atonement, paying the debt, settling the score, making amends, providing a ransom, rescuing, making it right, as well as including apology, expressing regret, granting pardons, offering forgiveness, accepting repentance, and granting absolution. Well, the whole big word for this is salvation. And the num- but the and so under salvation, I found that the number one word for love is restoration. So let's look at that. Restoration. I think this word is maybe the most all-encompassing understanding of what love is. Love is readjustment and reorganization, reinstatement and reinvestment. Love is recuperation and recovery. Love is improvement, renovation, and renewal. Love is correction and repair. Love is making it right. Love is a cure and provides healing. Love is rectification. Love is a comeback. Love is satisfaction. 
So even if we still would believe that Jesus died for our sins and we try to accept God's love for us now through the sacrificial act of Jesus dying on the cross, which provides the atonement, the deliverance and release from our sins, and God's anger is now at peace and satisfied, that's not where love stops. Because we are also souls on the journey of experiencing God in the fullness of the Spirit. So now it's our turn to know that we are in our original innocence and power as the Son of God, and now we are to act in ways in our relationships with our fellow men, which is loving and being loved. So does your love towards your brothers and sisters provide for improvement, correction, repair, and making it right? Does your love towards your parents and other family members provide for a reprieve? Does your love towards your children allow for rectification? Does your love towards your mate allow for reinvestment and reinstatement no matter what he or she has done? Does your love towards your neighbor include apologies or granting absolution? And does your love towards your job include rectification, making right, remedying things? And does your love for yourself and your own personal life reveal satisfaction? Although we may think of love as a divine function, and perhaps only God really knows how to love, the bigger picture is, that since our very existence is because we breathe with the breath of God and that we give God form, just like the sky and the clouds and the ocean and the trees and flowers, then our existence is for the purpose of pouring love out into everything and everybody. And let us consider this and ponder these things in our heart, which is where our love lives that's our show for today thanks so much for listening you can contact Marcy Ann on her website www.marcyann.com you can also view all of Marcy Ann's videos on YouTube by putting Marcy Ann in the YouTube search window You can download her book for free at www.mrwriteforme.com. And if you want to go into business for yourself, take a look at Marcy Ann's Weddings and Celebrations Business Startup Course at www.weddingofficiantschool.com. The Middle of the Week Pick Me Up Energy Show is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time from Marcy Ann's Studios in Southern California. All shows are also archived and can be listened to at any time in any place in the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.